I am unashamed. What about you? So, Zach, you were supposed to be here because I'd heard through the grapevine you were doing some team building exercises with your Tread Lively team. And but now you're not here because I'm seeing you through computer land. Yeah. Um, I don't, you yeah, know. sickness. Yeah. Uh, I thought the, maybe you just thought the team is good to go. No, viruses have swept <laughs> through the land and everybody's sick, so we canceled the team building. So yeah, well, I think we um, need some team building exercises with me and Jason. Dad, what what could we do? Maybe a ropes course, Jace, or a, what? What do you I think? Do a, what can we do one of those on a little duck show that we did years ago? <laughs> that's that's where we, that was. Uh, Dr. Langhoff, remember he was the. Oh, was, that's right. He was gonna. You I, did. I, I forget. That. We, we've had Trent on, and I never, I we never remember that, that he that, was on the episode. Yeah, that was where his coming out party came out. That's when he, Dad started calling him cliffhanger. He was going to yeah. try to highlight the function in the Robertson functional family. Uh, I, I say that because Missy one time she did an interview. You know, like we all have. Yeah. And the guy interviewing her asked her, you know, how much courage it took to show a dis- dysfunctional family on TV. <laughs> and boy, you know, my wife, <laughs> my wife's got a backbone. <laughs> and she she did her. She patented, just put us right out there with the Kardashians. She did her patented two word answer oh. that I knew what that meant because I've had her Uh-oh. do that to me multiple times. She went, "Excuse me, <laughs> <laughs> come again." Wow! So the guy missed. Excuse it. me, followed by eye roll. That's that's missing. But I yeah. think she said you obviously haven't watched the show. She said that in a nice way. I don't. I don't forgot what she said, but <laughs> she's brought that up a couple times. But Trent, you know, he was like the, you know, the guy saying you can do it and let's climb motivational the, the top guy, of the. Yeah. I, I forgot what that episode was about. No, I remember it now. I, I forgot about that. So I mean, if y'all want me to put together a retreat. We can all go on like a a retreat. <laughs> well, team building. here's what you do: put together the retreat. I'll be with mm-hmm. you in spirit, and let me know what we need to work on. What about Phil? Is he going to show up for the retreat? All of what we've said about the kingdoms. Yeah. Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your mind? They were startled and frightened. They looked up and thought, "Good grief! It's a ghost." It's it's a ghost. Jesus said, a ghost? <laughs> why do you why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? What we've been talking about for months. Look at my hands and my feet. It's I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. I mean take a good look at me at what we've been talking about ever since I was thirty years old. I've shown you this. When he had said this, he showed him his hands and feet. While they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he said, you got anything here to eat? Whoa, I'm hungry. I need a little grub. That's not it. It feels ad-libbing a little bit as it's like, going Dude, what? what? He, he said he wants to get, some, get him something to eat right quick. I mean, cause they, they gave him a piece of raw fish. He took it, and he ate it in their preference. Why would he do that? Because God has died and been buried. And raised from the dead. Now watch. But the point of 
all we've been saying. The kingdom has come, finally. This is right at the door of it. Not quite there yet. Peter's got to get up and reinforce what I'm saying. This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything. Now, now just think about something. We've been talking for months about all these things. Well, let's see if we're on the right track. Everything must be fulfilled. Everything. I've told you. All these things, when the woman came up and did this, and the woman at the well, and the one after the other, they ran into this one and that one and the other one. Calm down. This is what I told you while I was still with you. That's a three-year jaunt to get these people, the human race, to say, good night. We're going to believe that he died, was buried, and raised from the dead. I mean, he's he's here forever. He's the king. He's the temple. We'll be part of it. Everything must be fulfilled. That's a lot if you look at the Old Testament. We went over verse after verse after verse after verse after verse. Y'all were quoting the Old Testament. Rightly so. Everything must be fulfilled. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Well, what do you know? You mean we? Uh, he he took time. God did to bring up every single point about the coming kingdom. Right in the middle of it, the coming of the kingdom. The kingdom is near. All the prophets are saying it. Are there now? They've appointed to it. It's here. Then he, op- then he opened their minds. What we've been doing is trying to open their minds like he was. He told them, this is what's written. Here's what you better grab a hold of. That Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. He's back just on the gospel. He's going to save the world through the blood I shed Y'all can't see that, that that's what this thing is. Why are you shocked that that I'm standing here? I'm giving you eternal life and showing you that I'm an eternal being. I'm the one you use. I'm the one that you've got to have. I've been telling you all that. And repentance and forgiveness, the things we do, of sins will be preached in the name to all nations. Well, why in the world would you do that if the king wasn't there to dictate policy? I mean, it's nuts to say the kingdom is not here and it's going to be here in 1,000 years. No, no, he's telling you. It's here right now and you're talking to the king. Forgiveness of sins, it will be preached in the name of all nations, beginning in Jerusalem, to correct. You are witnesses of all these things. Y'all saw this thing fulfilled. The kingdom is near. How many times we got to tell you? It, you ain't waiting no thousand years for to get me here. You're witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. He's talking about the spirit, the spirit available to every human being. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power on high. Not quite there yet. Here comes Peter. He preaches the gospel. And uh, the question was, what do we do? You, you, what you do is you repent and be baptized because uh, don't leave Jerusalem. You got to wait right there for the gift, the Holy Spirit, right above there, appeared there to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom. Well, yeah, 
reminding him of what he just, Matthew said, Mark said, Luke said, John said, he's reinforcing it right out of his lips. What do we do? Well, let's see. Oh, no, you mean we got all this wrong? That's Acts chapter 2, 36. Let all Israel be assured of this. The one that who pulled this whole thing off, God has made you the, the God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He's the way out. When the people heard it, they were cut to the heart and they said, "What in the world shall we do? We are idiots. We just thought we would get rid of the most powerful being that's ever been on planet Earth. We got it wrong. So what do we do now? You repent and you be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, so that your sins will be forgiven. And you'll receive what we've been all waiting for. And I'm fixing to give you, I told you over there. You're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises there for you, your children, for all who are far off. That's us, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Well, all we needed was a biscuit. <laughs> That was spicy and a microphone. <laughs> oh, that that was withering. I mean, I'm and just, true. I'm I, just saying. You, it was all scripture. I can't disagree. To put all this together on what we've been discussing, because a lot of people say, oh, "Oh, I'm getting bored now," because they're talking about the king of it, and they say, "You know, they're being you know bricks on the side of the road. They, they missed the kingdom. No, they missed. They didn't know what we were talking. What he was talking about." You can cover yep. all that over in the Corinthian letters and all. Yep. But it is amazing that he pulled off of something that, what would I yep. say, that big, so powerful yeah. for the human race. Well, you'd have he to He doesn't be. miss a thing. Yeah. You'd have to be that big. Uh, no, that's good, Dan. Did you do that in your class yesterday? Did you do I, something I, I, similar? I, what I did was... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And I'll show you. Dangerous question now. <laughs> oh, no, I just assumed that. That's a good question. If you will look carefully at 2 Corinthians 4, just check this out before we begin our lesson. Okay. Therefore, since through God's mercy, huh, we have this ministry. He suffered on the cross that he tried to tell people, look, I'm your way out. You, you, know, you crucified me. I know you are. That's what's going to get you all saved. Don't lose heart. Rather, We've renounced secret and shameful ways. We don't use deception, nor we distort the word of God. You know, the kingdom's not even here. We're going to have a king 1,000 years. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now watch. And even if our gospel is veiled, the death, burial, and resurrection, and that story, and that event, and that reality of what happened, it's veiled to those who are perishing. We've got a lot of people going to perish over this thing. The God of this age, that's Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, which I preached yesterday morning. And I said, how many of you now want to be baptized? We asked them before I preached to them, said, how many? One raised their hand. When I got finished, about Jesus and his dying for the sins of the world, the kingdom of God, and we being the temple, the stones on top of stones. When they got that, two more said, then three. Well, it was four that I baptized. But going in, one of them said, yeah, but he didn't get it. Yep. So my task and my only task 
is to preach the gospel. Yep. That, that's where I fit in all this. I met one one of the gentlemen was from Michigan, and uh, he had driven all the way down to participate there, which was really cool. Well, I'd say Dad was on a roll uh, kicking off this little podcast, and it's exactly what we've been talking about. I even touched on a little bit in my sermon yesterday um, from the Davidic covenant. One guy walked up to me last week and said, I want to be baptized in nature. I said, you're getting con- in nature confused with Jesus <laughs> and his death, burial, and resurrection for you. Get baptized I, in said, nature? I said, think about that. I said, there's no nature to this. I said, you know, there's a person who died for you. Well, you know, I mean, he's just looking at me, though. Well, that ended. Well, the, a week goes by, and I go back up there, and I look look back in the back, and I see him sitting there. And he told the whole class, he said, you know, I was, was telling him he wanted to be baptized in nature, but he said I need to be baptized in the Jesus <laughs> for my sins to be removed, and I'll get eternal life. No need for me to go that's to the river because I thought I had to go to the river because that's natural. Uh, he said, but now I, I understand. Why don't we just do this in a pool Wherever, of water, warm yeah. water? No, that's pretty good. Dad. You're right. The person of Jesus is who you want to be connected to. I mean, he he is nature <laughs> yeah. in the sense that he made it up. I mean, he even made everything. I'm saying, you want nature. Boy, you got nature. Yeah, his nature is what we want. Let's uh, Let's take our first break. One of the things we appreciate, uh, I guess, going through this life, there are difficult times that come, unexpected things that happen. Um, And, you know, sometimes you just got to be able to share the burden with some other people. Yeah, you know, I remember being overwhelmed when I knew my daughter was going to be born, you know, with this life of surgeries and medical expenses. And so we went down at the front of our church and asked for prayers. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is one of the, Listeners to this podcast, who's become a great friend. I, I didn't know him at the time. He came down, hugged my neck. We'll be praying for you. And he handed me $200 bills. Hmm. And I was like, well, no. I." He's like, you're going to need this just for traveling over there. And and I thought, well, it was humbling. But I realized in that moment there were people who realized the big picture that were there for each other. Yeah. And I was really thankful. And even though you were asking for prayers, he came in with something he knew you would need. Yeah, it was just so shocking and humbling, but I was really appreciative. What you just described is the idea behind Samaritan Ministries, um, which is basically the Christian community coming together to help each other through their medical needs and medical bills, just like that person did for you. Now we have an organization, Samaritan Ministries, that does that. They don't have networks, so you're in control of your own uh, family's health. So that means you choose doctors, hospitals, treatments, all the things like that. Um, you can start uh, today if you want to join them. You can also uh, do your membership application and pick a month and say, we want to start this time. Lisa and I have joined these guys and uh, our experience has been great. It's basically a biblical solution to healthcare. And we're helping one another and bearing each other's burdens, which is a very biblical concept. And it's much more affordable. Whatever your unexpected diagnosis or medical emergency is, you'll find comfort in knowing you aren't alone. 
Uh, there's over now over 80,000 Christian households across the nation that stand ready to help you both spiritually and financially when you need it the most. Become part of this community at SamaritanMinistries.org slash unashamed. That's SamaritanMinistries.org slash unashamed. Well, that was a raucous start to the podcast. Um, I brought you a lot of gifts today, Dad. I thought that's what excited you, but it may have been that spicy chicken biscuit. Um, I take that. I take that as a no on the on the uh, team building exercise. <laughs> I think yeah. we got what we need. I think I just I just built. I just built with yeah. my team. Yeah, you know, that was about two minutes into Phil's <laughs> presentation that. I just sound. I heard a, the sound of an explosion in my mind, and I said, "I think the team building idea." Just I think got we got the team blown right here. up. I think we're going to yeah. focus on the kingdom. So, Dad, Lisa brought you. So, I guess everybody's trying to fatten Dad up a little bit these days. Duck fat caramels, but it's in a shotgun shell. In a shotgun box. shell so looking these, box. Are they the shape of shotgun shells? Well, I don't know, Jace. Let's reveal this. Well, surely they would. We're not do, necessarily doing an ad for this product. I don't know I, what they call that. I have tried them. No, there's just twelve caramels in oh, here. No, but I, I will say this: they are the richest, most delicious caramels I've ever tried. So if you like caramels, you'll love that. Huh. It's what? made out of duck fat. And then this is a. Uh, this is a pumpkin nut bread made by your granddaughter. My granddaughter called me up personally and you said, You ordered it. Would you like one of those little cakes? The little, uh, what do you call them? Pumpkin nut. Pumpkin nut cakes. I said, tell her she's on the right track. <laughs> that's that's the kind of the granddaughters you need to have. So I, I just thought it was interesting. And then I also brought you a sign that was sent here from Dean Conrad from Cole, Michigan. You think it's cold in Cole, Michigan, Jay? Mm, I guarantee you. It better be. <laughs> And uh, he he made you a sign because he's a woodworker that uh, says no no. I no think you should get the sign. Uh, Maddie's got a picture of it. No no cellophane. Put the picture on the. Uh... No cellophane. Oh yeah. But telephone. Remember you did that little bit uh, on the podcast. Yeah. So he made you one of those. So that was thank you. Well, it was, thank you, Dean, for I mean, thinking. It's not just that. a sign. I mean, it was like. Well, he sent several signs. He sent I mean, one it's of the guys. Board. It's like. I mean, it was a, quite the production, and I thought, here's a guy with a lot of time on it. He hand. said it's all hand-routered. Routered? Yeah, I guess so. No high-tech with his machine, he said. So yeah. there you go, Dan. Well, I've been sick three or four days, and so you were, you were sick. Were I've you? been sick. I've just been kind of just having to, you know, f- fly above the radar because I can't stop. I, I had to preach yesterday, so... But well, yeah, I've been. I've had a sore throat, and yeah, I apologize in advance. Uh, I did, I did something you should never do. I looked up on the internet what you should eat if you have a severe sinus infection. Yeah, and so after I gathered the intel, which I basically came up with three things from the internet: seafood, citrus fruits, and hot peppers. <laughs> what it said and it said you know although painful so <laughs> i was gonna say the hot peppers all three of those things well, i went and bought me some I shrimp a, I, I, I bought a. some shrimp some crab legs i bought every citrus fruit imaginable and i bought the hottest salsa on on earth like the habanero chips yeah and so i blackened the shrimp i put lemons all over them i uh I had me a little salad there with all kind of citrusy 
free. It's your batch in it, right? Missy's gone. Yeah. Okay. Missy's visiting the grandkids. Which okay. I, that's why I was on my phone a while ago because she sent me a good morning from my granddaughter. So I like it's the first time I've ever done this. I took a picture of on the podcast because she doesn't realize, obviously, that I'm doing the podcast. Yeah. So I was like, good morning. <laughs> so then she just sent back a check mark, said, noted. <laughs> so then I, what was the other ingredient? Oh, and I had the salsa. Yeah. So I started off with the salsa. So I ate this meal, and it was fantastic. But I have coughed and gagged <laughs> for the last 15 or 20 hours. <laughs> After eating this meal. <laughs> so well, I actually think it was. It may be like getting it out. I Maybe. think that was the yeah, idea. Yeah, that's the idea. If I would have realized the bomb I had created for that, I probably would have just <laughs> ate a sampling. Because I hadn't eaten anything all day because I didn't have much of an appetite. But I was like, hey, you want some seafood and some, some hot sauce and some citrus fruits? So apparently whatever whatever you were visiting on in computer land, the old adage of, you know, some bland chicken noodle soup, that's out the window. It's just like. I think I'll get back on the chicken. Oh, that's what I was on. That's what I typically do. So I'll get back on that today. But, but I thought it, that it was has fun. created a, you know, I heard you outside. I was like, Jason, you trying to get those pipes cleared out like, there? Yeah. I'm one lab. I've been unclogging pipes for hours. So anyway, <laughs> if I'm coughing and all that, that's the issue. I did. Uh, you know, I haven't duck hunted in four days. Because I've been sick, yep. and I haven't been missing a whole lot. Yeah, there ain't been All much right. happening, has it? Been? You have, you, you, you did not miss much. There's not a lot of FOMO going on th- these days. So I had a funny story happen yesterday. Because when you're not duck hunting, you know you want to contribute somehow. Well, my buddy, I got a buddy in the Midwest who has a hot hole, and I usually go up there every year. But a lot of things have happened this year; it didn't work out. But he hadn't been having a good year either yeah but for a different reason the you know we don't have much water and it's kind of the dead sea syndrome here you, you we we it's the driest would you agree it's been the driest winter in louisiana driest year i've ever spent on planet earth yeah in my lifetime <laughs> it has. that's a big statement man. so we thought it was a good thing at first because we had we pumped our water up but yep. it, it's a bit stagnant and it's kind of the that's why i brought up the dead sea Speaking of Phil's sermon, you know, you you got to have that moving water, fresh living water. Yep. So, uh, so I was trying to contribute with my buddy because his problem is he's got like stale ducks. He's got ducks, but when he pulls up to his duck hole, they all get up and leave. Well, then they don't come back until after legal shooting hours. Yep. And so numbers wise, he's been about where we are. So yesterday he was going, and he was like, I don't know why I'm going. He said, there's there's so many ducks out here in this one hole. He said, but we ride out there. They all get up. If they go at daylight, they all get up, and they don't come back. I mean, it's just like there's no way to win. So he's going about 12 or 1 o'clock. And I said, well, why don't you do this? I said, because I've noticed that when a deer, like, walks through ducks when I'm scouting, they don't get up. But if I jump up a deer... And it runs through the duck. They all get up because they're like, oh, oh. I said, but I've noticed then they'll come back sooner rather than later because they realized it was just a deer. They were startled. They were startled, but it was a deer. It was nothing, it was nothing that terrorized them to the point of don't ever come back here. Because yep. I said, 
how have you been going to your duck hole? And he said, well, we ride up in a, in a buggy. I was like, well, to them, that's like a nuclear bomb <laughs> going off. They see a bunch of people showing up in a mechanical vehicle. And they've been around a while. so yeah, they They're didn't. not coming back there ever. You've disturbed them to a point. I said, so why don't you, he had his, uh, his nephew with him, who's, a, you know, 18, 20 years old. I said, why don't you get him to act like a deer? Well, y'all, you sit over there. He he camos up all the way, goes out there. The ducks get up. Then you hurriedly go in there with the buggy. Does he, he said, you wear- know what? He said, you know what? I'm going to try that. <laughs> I said, well, this now we're When you sit around for four days, you come up with yeah. schemes like so this. So look, he sends me a video. 20, you know, I forget about that conversation and move on to my hacking and gagging. <laughs> So 20 minutes later, he sends me a video. He took my idea a step further, which then it it, it terrified me because here's his nephew. He had a, some horns that he had gotten from somewhere. Oh, boy. He's going down a levee, going up. You can hear the ducks. Dressed he, like a deer. He's dressed like a deer. And I thought, oh, no, surely I hope a high-powered rifle's not fixed to go off because oh, no. what if I, I've, I've done, I've had an idea that could cost this kid his life. Yeah. If you do something like that, Louisiana, oh. you won't live long. No. No. But this is private property yeah. and it's right behind his camp. And I thought, well, so he, he runs out there, all the ducks get up. I'm like, this is, now this is going to work. I mean, this is gen- this is actually dangerous, but it's genius. And most of the genius ideas in life, Are there dangerous. is an element of danger involved. Oh man! So that was the tip. That's what happened. And the question is: so that was today? No, that was yesterday. So the question is: did it work? Because yeah, every ten minutes, I was like, "Y'all got him yet? Y'all got him yet?" So did it work? I'd have to say no. I mean, they killed 16, but but hundreds got up. And I'm thinking, well, if you hadn't have done that, you probably would have killed less than that. Yeah. You know, so they, it may have helped. They did kill 16. It was four of them. So they could have killed 24. They yeah. didn't kill their limp because hundreds got up and they shot 16. Yeah. But I said, well, if you hadn't have done that, it would have probably been six. But I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that's a I good thing? I think theory? it was a worth try. Yeah, well, he did too. And I'll forever have that video of this young man looking like an idiot. Mm. Well, Bertie's the guy I converted 35 years ago or so, and uh, he's a good, faithful servant to the to Jesus. Yeah, well, Bertie's been on the podcast. And, and today he wanted me just to come down there, he said, and just sit in the blind and we'll drink coffee. I said, well, did you see any yesterday there? He said, no. He said, so I'm just down here drinking a cup of coffee. So he's going to give me a report. Oh, so he went this morning. He went. Okay. He went to the dog. He sat and he watched. I said, we tried it, but not much. So we don't know what we've seen. Have you heard any gunshots? No gunshots. So the, okay. the ducks have not migrated down here. But they're coming. The guy, cause... one of the guys that was from uh, way up north, he told me that they, the ducks, they have a lot. They've moved in there. But he's far north from yeah, us. Maybe the guy from Michigan. But the way the this weather's been working, straight up above us, going on fronts that come out of the Canada, Canada, the Canadian. Yeah. If you if you, if you get getting ducks from there, they're going. 
But even the Canadians said, we don't see many ducks this year. So, Dad, it seems you're starting at least a mini-revolution with your idea about telephone versus cellophone, because a gentleman from Michigan actually sent you a sign that said, hey, I'm with Phil. I'm going back to the telephone. You know, I'm getting rid of my cell phone. I don't like to walk around with a funky varmint, (laughs) a funky piece of material that I have to carry with me. (laughs) Which is how you view cell phones, is that what you're saying, smartphones? Yeah. Well, to the rest of us, uh, we still got to carry them around, but we what we do need is something to help protect us, and we've got some uh, new sponsors, some new friends. It's called Refuge Privacy, because most of us, other than Dad, uh, do have a smartphone in our day-to-day life, but we don't like the tracking by big tech, big government, stalkers, hackers. Um, they've shown us time and time again that that's what they're doing is they're getting our information. So what these guys have come up with is a Faraday sleeve that's going to solve your problem because it goes around your phone and it blocks it. I mean, they can't get to it anymore. It's American-made. Uh, it's made out of buffalo leather. It blocks sound, high-frequency 5G signals that a lot of other sleeves miss. It looks great. Um, it keeps your private conversations protected. So here's what you do. Go to refugeprivacy.com and use the code Phil and save 15% off your order. That's refugeprivacy.com. Use the promo code Phil, save 15% on your order, and protect your privacy. Everything written about Jesus, he said, has I've had to fulfill that. I've had to fulfill everything that was written. You just think about the moves God made in the last several thousand years, and and Jesus said, I'm at the center of that to get me here. That's what it took to get me here. Right. So he went back to the Old Testament, and all these events that happened, he said all those things were getting ready for the coming kingdom, and the I'll be the temple of God. Yeah, so I think this study in Luke has affected my theology, if I have theology as such a simple. That's that's my point. It's it's affected me more about understanding the temple. Yeah, Jason and I talked about this. We were talking about yesterday. I was like, I feel like now we need to go back and redo the Book of John. Well, we will, because at some point, are you there, Jason? I I think our John study would be even better now that with a better. Are you there? I quoted Second Corinthians four, but at the end of his talk here, therefore we're Christ's ambassadors. Though God was making His appeal through us, that's how it's going to be done now. He's fixing to leave here, but He'll live in the hearts of men via the Holy Spirit. So I'm reading from 2 Corinthians 5. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. It took a long time to get that across so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God's fellow workers. Well, you look in verse uh, 16 from 2 Corinthians 6, what we've been discussing, what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? None, see. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temples of the living God. That's the point we've been making, what Paul told the Corinthians. As God has said, I'll live with them, he does, and walk among them, he has, and I will be their people, 
he still is, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, because think about it, our calling. Uh, touch no unclean thing. There's a there's a mode of operandi is it's touched on here. Touch no unclean thing, and I'll receive you. I'll be your father to you, and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the God Almighty. Now, that's Jesus uh, through the Apostle Paul telling that, for we are the temple of the living God. How much more text would you want than that one? Yeah. And, we, and that's what we're projecting forward much more in depth than Paul did in the, with the Corinthians. There. That's just a point he was making. Which we're is, on the right track, I tell you that, right? Right. Well, that's that's what that's what we talked about last podcast. You you've got Jesus's triumphal entry on a donkey, which is puzzling to a lot of people who weren't raised in the church, or they're they're like, you, "This is who you're following." Some some guy, the yeah. carpenter from Galilee, who said, "I'm a king," and he made his triumphal entry on a donkey. What kind of king is that? But he also displayed supernatural powers over and over again. He also addressed a love of all people. I mean, he he kind of had a, a two ways he was going about that. One, he was showing powers that that would say this guy must be from another place. How, how do you have the the you know, he's defined the law of gravity, uh, the law of thermodynamics. Uh, I mean, he, he's he's able to do things that are not possible through his miracles. But he also had these conversations and these one-on-one intimate encounters with all these different kinds of people from all walks of life, even his disciples. I mean, you, you, you're, you're looking at this crew he's gotten together here, fishermen, a tax collector from the highest uh, through the lowest. You know, Judas covers them all. Yeah, a zealot. Yeah, I mean, it's like th- this is your crew, and he comes in on a donkey, and then he spends time right before we're going to what Phil started off with. You know, his ultimately his arrest, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. But he spends these three chapters in Luke hanging out in the temple. Yeah, and. You know why? Why is that? Why is he making such a big deal about it? And then, so when you what look, he's saying is, there's the Kent, there's the temple right over here. That that bunch about three or four thousand there. That is the temple. Well, right. But even when I look back at when we went through John, which is why I said this, you know, John one seems more of, you know, I see a bigger connection back to creation itself and you see little hints of that even even when you get to john 20 when when mary thought he was the gardener you know you you see this new creation has begun where jesus has come back for the dead from the dead but you see the signs of it even in john 2 where he goes to the temple and he drives out the money changers and the sheep and the cattle and i was looking at this last night you know in psalm 8 which is a uh, a famous psalm. It, it has that same phrase about, uh, you know, he would he would. Well, maybe I should read it. But it has the same phrase about driving out these animals, and and I, it hit me in that moment. I thought, you know, one of the reasons that he was driving driving out the animals 
is he was disrupting the temple because the temple was set up. This is where you meet God and you give sacrifices. Right. Well, just think about that. Well, it makes sense for him to disrupt the animals that were going to be given as sacrifices. If you were going to become the sacrifice, you, if you were the answer to that dilemma, that situation, or the fulfillment, I guess, is would be the better phrase for it. You know, it wasn't so much that they were just turning it into a way of making money. He was taking that, and although he wasn't speaking so much negatively about the temple itself, he was just saying that was a sign that was going to point to me. You were supposed to bring your own animal sacrifice. The idea was you're sacrificing something for your sin. They're setting it up where you just come in and buy We got your stuff here. I mean, they were turned into a convenience store. That was one of the issues hey, that he had. How to make a buck. Well, they were they were making money, but then the people were cheapening their own sacrifice because it, there wasn't anything. They just come in and buy it, and then it's like, yeah. dude, you know, so it made it ritualistic. And that was the best part of what was going on in the temple. That's I, right. You know, that was. <laughs> I went back and looked at, because uh, I preached out of Isaiah 66 on Sunday, and it begins with a discussion about the temple. And, and you got to keep in mind, it's the last chapter in Isaiah, and right before that, um, the they're you know they're they're kind of evaluating what just happened to the temple. They're evaluating what just happened to their land. They're in Babylonian captivity. This is what the the prophet Isaiah was prophesying would be their response, and their response was, "It um, it, Jim McGuigan says this in his commentary, which I loved. He said it's it's almost as if they were trying to make a deal with God to say, hey, if if you'll you know, we'll, we'll build you a great house again. Like we'll, we'll do that for you. And, uh, and the response in Isaiah 66 is, well, I don't li- what are you talking about? I've I made all of this. He says, heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made. And so all these things came to be declares the Lord. And, and it's a picture, um, of, the, of, of God responding to what they ultimately did in the temple. And he goes into further detail, but I, I Googled this um, and I put the slide up on the screen of, of uh, Kings of Israel and Judah who worshiped idols in the temple. And I mean, just go do your own research, but I mean, it, it starts with Solomon and Solomon at the end of his life, he, he became wicked he the Bible says that he loved his women and that he turned his face from God, and 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 then from there it just I mean yes, almost every single split the kingdom and then it just split went the kingdom yeah. and then almost every single king. Well, there's a few exceptions, but they are a few exceptions. Only about six total. <laughs> only about six that the rest of them on both sides of it they 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 turned the temple into a place of idolatry and worship these foreign gods. And so I think what's happening here too, it's not just that they were legalistic. It's not just that they were making money out of the temple and some kind of like oppression of the poor thing, which is certainly part of it. But the bigger picture here is that they, they were full blown idol worshipers. And, and, and that's what Jesus is coming to destroy. And that's why he goes into that temple because up until that point, that was the epicenter. Of culture. That's why I read a while ago, Jesus saying, "Y'all are running here. You're cra- 
you can't believe I'm standing here. I've been here yeah. the whole time. I'm, I'm straightening this mess out. We have a temple that I will be the king of, a kingdom, and it's upon you, and y'all don't recognize it. It was a slow beginning is what I... Which is the controversial part of, of when we were talking about N.T. Wright a few podcasts ago. That's that's where he got a lot of flack because what he was essentially saying is, in a lot of his work, is when when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the the main point, according to him, is is not atonement, although atonement is is a key part of it. But the main point is the coming of the kingdom. Um, and, and that, so that controversy is there, but I mean, look, it's not to minimize atonement. I would, I don't think we should minimize the atonement of Christ and the cross, but the gospel that, that the, the, the four guys that we, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John write about, it is, the, the, there is this gospel of the kingdom that is very prominent in all of this. That is and correct. what does that mean? Yeah. That what does point. that mean? No, that's a good point. I yeah. Well, you. I was just going to read that Psalm eight where it said, you have set him set your glory above the heavens from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise which you see that you know there's a whole chapter about that in Matthew Matthew 18 because of your enemies the to silence the foe and the avenger when I consider your heavens the work of your fingers the moon and the stars which you have set in place going to your your I thought about this when you were talking about that guy saying he wanted to be baptized in nature this would have been mm-hmm. a good thing to read because it says, what is verse four of Psalm eight? What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. Obvious reference to Jesus because he kept saying, I'm the son of man. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. All flocks and herds, which is what he drove from the temple. It's the same phrase. And the beast of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So I just think it's a subtle picture of what Jesus was going to bring in becoming a human to become Lord of heaven and earth. And all the yeah. all the ways that earthlings typical humans were trying to atone for their sins yep. well he fulfills it all right but it that hub of that was was at the temple and that's why it was making them so so mad because that was the vehicle for that was the hub of not only their citizenship but their religion and their culture it was all tied to that temple right and here he is hanging out for this long in Luke at the temple, speaking yeah. all these things, talking about what you do to pay taxes, talking about the afterlife, you know, driving the money changers out, all these different significant things. Why is he why is he focused so much on that? Well, you have to conclude that he's saying, I am the new temple. I'm gonna fulfill this. So when you get to John two, uh after John one, he has this this weird conversation with Nathaniel about Jacob's ladder. And you realize that that place where that happened in the Old Testament, they called Bethel, which was the house of God. Yep. And so we should have said that when we were in John 1. So yep. then he drives the money changers out in John 2. He brings up this about sending out the herds and and, and the animals and the livestock. Well, then, he's, then he makes this profound statement, which 
I think we should read again just because of what we're asserting. But and, and before we read the rest of this in in Luke 21, let's take our last break. But he says, and we've read this several times, but he says in verse 17, his disciples remembered that his written zeal for your house will consume me, which is why I brought up the Jacob's ladder thing at the end of chapter one, Bethel, the house of God. Because I made the point that Jesus is the ladder. That's what he was telling Nathaniel. And it was a precursor, Jace, to the tabernacle and the temple that was all going to be coming after Jacob. So it really was. So in John 2, 18, the Jews demanded, what miraculous sign can you show us to prove you have authority to do this? Because he had just cleared out this temple. Jesus answered them. Now, now of all the answers he could say, he says, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. The Jews replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recall what he had said. Then they believed the scriptures and the words that Jesus had spoken. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with salvation. That's what they were. the, the, the big dogs were all against. Let the saints rejoice in this honor. Sing for joy on their beds. May the praise of God be in their mouths like a double-edged sword in their hands. He inflicts vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples to bind their kings with fetters, their nobles with shackles of iron, to carry out the sentence written against them. This is the glory of all the saints. When you read that, as the psalmist, that's 149. I mean... The, the the big dogs were sitting there not knowing which way to go with this thing. They they you know, they they, they said the way to do deal with him is kill him. Yeah. Get him get him out of here. Right. They think about the power and the though, opposite what, occurred. Yeah, they were plotting the whole time. What are you gonna say, Zach? So think about the power of what Jace just read, that that they believed the scriptures and, and I mean we read over that, but there's a lot of significance there because you know, one of the things we, one of the things we may be accused of is, oh, you're reading your New Testament theology into Old Testament scriptures, but it's it's that's not actually true. I mean, what you read out of Psalms, what was the Psalm passage you read? Psalms eight, Jason. Yeah, Psalm eight. Psalm I mean, eight. It's and, a subtle you, link, is all I'm saying. But that is what the Old Testament was. You know, it, it it it's subtle in that place, but it's certainly echoing the same language of what I read in Isaiah sixty six, which is clearly talking about the temple. And then there's another uh, uh, in Old Testament scripture. There's the the story of when Solomon actually built the temple, and we've mentioned this before in First Kings six, and for the purpose of God said that so that I may dwell with my people. And then if you skip a couple chapters in Psalm, I mean in uh, in First Kings, I want to read this to you because this is language echoes a lot what we read in Isaiah sixty six. But then Solomon said, this is verse twelve of of First Kings eight. This is after he had built the temple. Uh, the Lord's uh, the Lord has said that he would dwell in thick darkness. I have indeed built you an exalted house, a place for you to dwell in forever. And just, I mean, just a few verses later in verse 27, when, when Solomon goes to pray a, a prayer of dedication of the temple, just listen to his recognition 
which is really what Psalms eight Psalm eight was about. It's what Isaiah sixty six is sixty six is about. It's the obvious truth that we really should all think about, and that probably everybody knew. But Solomon spoke this truth out in verse twenty seven when he says, "But will God indeed dwell on earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house I built?" That's after he built it. He's looking around and he's contemplating the glory of God, the bigness of God, and he's like. I'm not going to contain God in a house that I built. And that's the point I think that all this is moving towards is, and Phil, you mentioned it too when you read the Psalm about being, Psalm 51 too, contrite in spirit and and humble in heart. That God would not despise. But if you come in with arrogance and you think that somehow we think we're going to contain God in a structure that we build out of the material that he created, it's just, I mean, it really is kind of a dumb way of thinking about things. So some of this kind of like is obvious anyways, just if you start thinking about the, the sovereign being of the universe. Of course, he's not going to be con, confound, confined to a house that we build him. And I think that's what Jesus is ultimately the truth that he's fulfilling is God. He doesn't dwell in the temples built by man's hands. He built, he dwells in where he, he dwells in heaven. And he is here, but he's at God. The whole earth is God's temple in Jesus. Well, right. But I think what he did, you know, Phil started off just going through saying, well, the kingdom is here because, you know, you went through, you went through it. Yeah. You went through him predicting it. He, he is then levitated in Acts one after he spoke about the kingdom and, and then Jesus is, proclaim the holy spirit come is has come to earth and so i think that's important in that when jesus was resurrected and this gets into john 14 through 16 that we went over when we studied john he was saying you know i'm gonna sin but i'm not gonna leave you as orphans i will give you the holy spirit so it's actually when jesus was exalted above the earth he sent down his holy spirit so then we house his spirit as human beings. So heaven came down as Jesus went up. That's why and Peter what says, is the temple? It's a meeting place of heaven and earth. Yeah. That's why Peter yeah. rem- reminded him when he first started in the book of Acts. He said, uh, he said, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. Right in when the beginning of, of Peter's speech, he said that he spoke about the kingdom of God and he went on to tell them all this is worked out in advance. And they all just said, well, what do we do? Because they're the ones who killed him. And he said, well, you repent, you be baptized and God be with you. He'll save you. So. It's really simple in a lot of ways, but well, in it a makes lot of sense ways, why it is, Jesus it is profound. It covers so much territory, which is the cosmos. Well, it makes sense when you realize Jesus, when he was teaching them how to pray, that said, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And the only way that I could see that working would be him giving of the Holy Spirit as he's ascending you are correct. to the right you hand. You are correct. Right. Right. Because, yeah, that's a great point. And what you said, Jace, I, I don't want to skip over it. You said something very powerful that we need to reiterate. The 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 temple 
is the meeting place of heaven and earth. It's where it's where they come. This is where they connect is yep. the temple. Yep. That is a key understanding of of what God's doing here, that like this is where heaven and earth meet and God comes out. Heaven comes down. It condescends down to meet earth. And it does that in the form of of tabernacle or temple. Right. Uh, and and then the, and the, and the, the thing is, is, though, that's the whole point of what the woman at the well. She wants to know where do I go to meet God? I got do I go to the mountain up there where my people worship and or, or do I go to Jerusalem where your people worship? And what was Jesus's point? A, another prediction of the coming of the Holy Spirit. He said, no, it's neither on the mountain nor in Jerusalem. It's it's the father desires worshipers who will worship him in truth and spirit. It's that it, it is a it is a new paradigm that that he's bringing uh, to fruition in in the hearts of humans that we will be will be that temple will be yep. the meeting place and of he's, heaven and, and earth. he puts it in that time slot Zach because he said a time is coming and has now come meaning him he's here that's right but he's but he let he let them know there he still got things he had to do he was saying it's that already not yet it's that's already right. here but it's not yet finished that's like right. yeah it, uh, it, it's coming. But it's also here, it's which also is why here. we can pray thy kingdom come, thy will be, that will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven. That's not a one-time prayer. That's right. Man, that's a prayer we embody the, whole, the rest of our Matthew, existence. Matthew, Mark, John, their whole thesis, their whole uh, faith, when you just get right to it, it's the kingdom. The kingdom is here. I mean, so. But right. that means you got work to do. But also, there, uh, the last element of this the physical temple is what he's describing in our viewpoint in Luke 21, 5 through yeah, 38. 38. Do you mean, the, do you mean when you say the physical temple, you mean like the architectural temple of yeah, what was I mean, in? Yeah, we're, that's claiming, why he, we're claiming this, this Jesus being the temple. That's why he's, yeah. he's disrupting it, which is what led him to his death. And yeah. or part of the reason of that is so that he could die, be buried, and resurrected. His death had to be the centerpiece of the resurrection. Because I and take you need both to have a kingdom. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's I, true. like like part of what Phil said. I mean, I did. I don't. I don't disagree that when the Holy Spirit. If you're looking for an exact time when you know feels like well, it hadn't hit. It it, it hadn't come yet, but it was a process when Jesus was raised from the dead. Well, he he became king and lord of heaven and earth. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. So no that was part of the kingdom arriving because the king had been declared. Now his yeah. followers, the next leg of that was us receiving the Holy Spirit. But then there was another part that seems more subtle, but not to the Jewish nation which is what happened in A.D. 70, which was the old order of things passed away, literally, because the temple was destroyed. Not one stone was left on another. Right. So what, where are you left to go to meet God? Spirit-filled people who, ha who are housing Jesus, which gets into Hebrews 3. Right. Yep. So we're out of time. Yeah. Um, we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this, this idea of tying in kingdom and temple. It's such a big part of this text we're in, but we're kind of setting it up for you. So we'll uh, stretch that out a little bit more in our overtime segment. If you want to follow us over, blazetv.com slash unashamed is where you find that. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. 
And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.